Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, happy Monday. We're loaded up today. We have so much to delve into today. And um, if I was the type of person that lived an angry life, I, I, I would be apoplectic, have a heart attack, stress out, and die because... If you just watch the media on any given day, they are so corrupt. They're so they're such liars on the biggest, deepest level. You you can't even it's not even worth mentioning because it's basically every word that comes out of their mouths. Anyway, uh, we have that. We have an exclusive first look at Peter Schweitzer's brand new book today. Secret Empires, how the American political class hides corruption enriches family and friends. Now, remember, he wrote Clinton Cash. He, he first told us three years ago about Uranium One, and that's about how long ago it was in 2015, I believe April, if I'm not mistaken. And Peter Schweitzer writes this new book, and what do we see? Oh, we see that the Bidens get filthy rich, the Biden family. And what he calls it, he, he talks about making these deals by proxy. He explains in the book one instance where 
uh, Joe Biden's son goes with him on a trip to China when he's the vice president. And lo and behold, the kid is making a billion and a half dollar deal with some Chinese bank so that they're going to buy up different things within the United States. You don't think they're expecting something in exchange for all of that money being funneled through whatever company Biden's son is involved in? The same thing with Kerry's son. And he's got the same thing on the Obamas. And by the way, it crosses political lines. Then you've got McConnell, same actions with him. And now he's become weak on China. You can see a direct correlation between the business dealings and the and the policies that people are making in Washington. We'll get to all of that Uh, an hour from now, right after the news at the top of the next hour. We're going to do a deep dive both on the legal side and the investigative side of everything that's happening in terms of Andrew McCabe being fired. I've got a lot to say about it, Um, but I want to first take you back to Friday night Uh, All throughout the hour on Hannity, we had expected any moment that Andrew McCabe would be fired. And just as I said goodbye at 9.59.30, Andrew McCabe got fired. So we didn't have the coverage on the show, but, you know, Laura Ingram was on, so it was fine. Um, And we covered it on the news channel. But we started Friday night with these brand new text messages with these lovebirds, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Remember, Lisa Page was the acting attorney for Andrew McCabe, the deputy FBI director. She's also having a fling with Peter Strzok. And remember, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page are texting back and forth, and they're talking about their insurance policy, how much they hate Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's over 50,000 of these text messages that we're told that are in existence, and for some strange reason— Members of Congress are having a very difficult time getting this information. Now, remember, just before the deadline, after these Devin Nunes of the House Intel Committee had sent over to the DOJ asking for the documents that would ultimately become the foundation for the Nunes memo and the Graham Grassley memo. Remember, the last hour was Rod Rosenstein that was begging Paul Ryan not to allow Nunes and his committee or anybody in Congress to see the information. And that would have meant no information about the dossier, none of the stuff that we've been discovering, none of the corruption that has existed. Why didn't Rod Rosenstein want this information out? Especially the same Rod Rosenstein that after Jeff Sessions recused himself, Rod Rosenstein was the one that appointed Robert Mueller. And Robert Mueller goes off hiring all these Democratic activists and donors and and people that donate to Obama, Hillary, and the DNC. And then Rod Rosenstein, we find out later, well, he also used the phony Russian bought and paid for Hillary dossier, and he's the one that signed off on at least one of the FISA applications in terms of the renewal, the subsequent renewal application, at least as it relates to spying on Carter Page, the Trump campaign associate. Why is he involved in this at all? He can't interview himself in all of this. At the end of the day, we need a second special counsel. What happened Friday with the firing of McCabe is only a good start. But before I get to that, remember, Strzok was friends, we found out, through these text messages. Again, because there's so much information and the Department of Justice is not allowing Congress to have copies And the only way they can see this information is they got to go into a room and sign a document. They can't take any pictures. They can't make any copies of any of these documents. But Congressman Jordan and Congressman Meadows are sending over staff members, wasting their days sifting through 
this voluminous information that exists over there. And they're the ones that found the struck and page, in fact, are friends with one of the FISA court judges, a guy by the name of Rudolph uh, Contreras. Rudolph Contreras now is friends with Peter Strzok and has an ongoing relationship with Strzok. And and what happens here is that's the same Contreras that ended up being involved in the case against General Flynn and accepting his plea for lying to the FBI and then recused himself, which hardly ever happens. And it never made sense until Friday. What's so dis- disturbing about all of this, you know, you look at these text messages and you got Page writing to Strzok, Rudy is on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Woohoo! Uh, did you know that? And then Page adds that just uh, just appointed two months ago because she knows that her lover struck his friends with Contreras. I did, he writes. I did. We talked about him being on the FISA court both before and after. This isn't this isn't healthy here, especially because we know they have an anti-Trump agenda. We need to get together with him. I need to get together with him anyway. So then Page points out later uh, thought of it because you had to Google Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court judges. And I saw him there and I'm telling you and then struck follows up with Page. And she brought up a good point about being circumspect circumspect in terms of not placing him in a situation where Contreras would have to recuse himself. And Page says, well, I can't imagine that either one of you could talk about anything in in detail, meaningful enough to warrant a recusal. Anyway, maybe you meant to, but you didn't. Uh, Basically trying to cover for him the way I read that. And then Strzok says, really? Rudy? Meaning Contreras? Uh, hello, I'm in charge of the espionage for the FBI. Any espionage FISA court application comes before him. What should he do, given his friend oversees it? And then Page says, no, nah, it's going to be fine. The standards for recusal are high. I just don't think this poses any actual conflict. And he doesn't know what you do. And Strzok says, yeah, generally he does know what I do. And it continues from there. Now, it's a massive conflict of interest, obviously. Then they talk about engineering a meeting, a dinner party with six people, because obviously Strzok can't talk to Contreras on his own. But if there's six people, I'm sure they'd be able to find a little alone time in the bathroom together or in the kitchen or in the basement or outside smoking a cigar, whatever they do. What's so inexcusable about this is the Department of Justice, they, they fought like hell to keep all of this information from the you, the American people. And, you know, we look at the only reason this happened is because finally, you know, Paul Ryan, Devin Nunes is the one that subpoenaed it. And Rod Rosenstein was forced to hand it over because he didn't want to hand it over. Rod Rosenstein didn't want the truth coming out. Rod Rosenstein, yeah, best friends with Comey, best friends with Strzok and Page and Mueller. This whole thing stinks to high heaven. You know, remember, Rosenstein begged Paul Ryan. To, to not force him to release this. This is all part of a never-ending pattern of stonewalling, obstruction, non-compliance with Congress. Congress has oversight. Not only, they have constitutional authority and oversight. People need to be held accountable. We wouldn't know half of what we know now but for Devin Nunes demanding that, in fact, we get copies of all of this. Now, what's very important is that their friends, meaning Contreras and Strzok, and that Contreras oversaw the Flynn case. It's pretty unbelievable. 
All right, so then as I'm getting off the air Friday night, then comes the, the big announcement from the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. After an extensive and fair investigation, according to the Department of Justice procedure, the Department of Office of Inspector General, the OIG, provided its report on allegations of misconduct by Andrew McCabe to the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility, the OPR, and the FBI's OPR then reviewed the report of the inspector general. By the way, those in the media saying Trump did this, Trump forced this. No, that would be the FBI recommending it. That would be after an extensive investigation. And when you look at the charges, they're so overwhelming that nobody could ignore it. Anyway, the FBI's OPR then reviewed the report and the underlying documents, and they issued a disciplinary proposal. They recommended, meaning the FBI, not Donald Trump, the dismissal of Mr. McCabe. And don't forget, when we first got wind of the IG's report, the FBI Director Ray, he then literally put Andrew McCabe on ice, and he was just trying to sail into retirement, which would have taken place yesterday. Anyway, the, both the OIG, the Inspector General report, the FBI's OPR report, concluded that McCabe had made unauthorized disclosures to the news media and lacked candor, including under oath, on multiple occasions. So the FBI and the Inspector General determined McCabe lied under oath on multiple occasions. And it goes on to say the FBI expects every employee to adhere to the highest standards of honesty, integrity, and accountability. As the OPR proposal stated, all FBI employees know that lacking candor under oath results in dismissal and that our integrity is our brand. And pursuant to Department Order 1202 and based on the report of the Inspector General, and the findings of the FBI Office of Professional Responsibility and the recommendation of the department's senior career official, I have terminated the employment of Andrew McCabe effective immediately. And Andrew McCabe comes out with a defense of himself, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess he's now lawyered up. I thought the funniest thing I read over the weekend, I kept notes too. Just every note I kept with, with Trump, I kept it. Well, what's he trying to do? He's trying to threaten Trump or scare Trump. Okay, and he handed it over to Robert Mueller. Let me see. That's about as credible as Susan Rice on the day that Trump is inaugurated, writing about a a meeting that had taken place 15 days ago. Note to self, Obama said do it by the book. Note to self, Obama said do it by the book. Did I mention do it by the book? Obama said that from a meeting 15 days ago. Obama said do it by the book. Because they're all scared to death. They never thought Trump was going to win. Trump wins. And now all of this corruption is now being exposed. And Andrew McCabe can put out any issue he wants. How does he deal with the fact his own FBI and the inspector general determined that he lied repeatedly under oath? And for this to happen before the inspector general report comes out is unbelievable. Now I'm going to get to all the details surrounding this, the insanity of the media this weekend The hysteria. Donald Trump just said this special counsel never should have been put together. Okay, he's by the way, he's allowed to say it. And that's obstruction, not obstruction. He's about to fight. We're going to have a constitutional crisis in America. No, we're not because he's not. they, They issued a statement last night. They have no intention of firing Mueller, although, frankly, Mueller needs to get his 
you know, act together and get his band of merry Democratic donors to come up with whatever their conclusion is and show America the evidence. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a uh, part of the program? You know, I'm watching Republicans, and like always, they're just weak and pathetic and not understanding pretty much. I was so disappointed in Marco Rubio, some comments by, I don't know what's happened to Trey Gowdy over the years, but, I mean, he does not seem like the same person that I once knew. But putting all of that aside, some of these people are losing their minds. You, you have... The FBI itself, you have the inspector general. They're all saying that McCabe lied under oath repeatedly. Now, you can't have a credibly accused person at the number two job in the number one agency in the country, you know, acting this way. And you certainly can't keep a credibly accused criminal on the FBI's payroll and let alone pay him millions of dollars on his way out the door. And, you know, they are saying not Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump's saying it, but they proved it. They're the ones that have the information. They're the ones that did their investigation. That McCabe's lying and leaking is just the tip of the iceberg. But I'm telling you, by the time all the facts are known about McCabe, for them to act this dramatically about how McCabe is hijacked, literally the FBI during the 2016 election, we are going to find out that single-handedly he did more. And this is where it goes to a comment that I read from James Kallstrom over the weekend. James Kallstrom said, high-ranking people. And and James Kallstrom is a former assistant FBI director himself. And he literally said, high-ranking people throughout the government had a plot to protect Hillary Clinton from being indicted. Well, it certainly seems that way. It certainly seems like Strzok and Page and McCabe and their little insurance policy and their little Trump-hating cabal uh, were in the in the fixing it for Hillary Clinton business. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but what we have unfolding before us is a reckoning of the deep state and those few people at the top that were corrupt. Now it gets into all the evidence that Hillary had, in fact, broken the law obstructed justice, mishandled, destroyed classified information. And then, of course, then, then we have the whole fix being in with everybody involved in exoneration before an investigation. That's Jim's Comey's doing. You know, Mr. Sanctimony himself. I had a lot to say to Jim Comey over the weekend on Twitter. We'll get to that. Uh, we also have this sad case in Austin, Texas. Two more bombings that we're going to tell you about next. There's still a significant amount of evidence. As you can imagine, with a blast scene like this, the evidence is strewn across quite a significant distance, and it's going to take us a while to methodically go through and collect this evidence so that we make sure we get it uh, right. What I can tell you is based on the preliminary review that we have done at this time, we have seen similarities in the device that exploded here last night and the other three devices that have exploded in Austin starting on March 2nd. Again, this is preliminary information, but we have seen similarities. The big difference in this device, again, is we believe that a tripwire was used in this device. 
In the past, we've been talking about the importance of not touching suspicious packages, not moving packages, not handling packages. The belief that we are now dealing with someone who's using tripwires shows a higher level of sophistication, a higher level of skill. And so now what we are imploring the community to do, if you see any suspicious object or item that looks out of place, do not even approach it, but instead call 911 and report that to the police department so we can send folks out to check that and ensure that it is safe. So again, do not approach these suspicious items, anything that you may see, whether it be a bag, a backpack, a box. And again, this is why we have avoided giving specific descriptions of the prior three devices because it was never confirmed that that would be the design that this suspect or suspects would stick with. So that's the important message today to this community is make sure that you are safe and make sure you contact us if you see something that looks suspicious or that looks out of place. All right, that was the Austin Police Department on edge after another explosion, leaving two injured. Uh, injured cause of the blast at this moment is uh, unclear. I mean, this is now how many times that this has happened. Uh, police have also appealed to the bomb maker, raising the award money for tips. They're not ruling out the possibility of a tripwire type bomb in this particular case. And police uh, believe, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that this blast is related to the other blast down in Austin. To think otherwise, I think would be foolish. Um, and the explosion that injured two in southwest Austin, you know, again, they think is a tripwire. Joining us now to weigh in on it, we have uh, Jonathan Gillum, Navy SEAL, former FBI agent, author of the book Sheep No More, Buck Sexton, host of his own show, America Now, former CIA agent, NYPD Intelligence Division specialist, uh, I look at this buck, and it looks like we've got ourselves a, a bomber here on the sidelines. And so far, it doesn't look like we have a whole lot of clues. Yeah, Sean, it's a serial bomber situation, and law enforcement doesn't have a lot to work with right now. They've had some persons of interest. None of that has panned out from what we've been told so far. They're relying on the community. That's why you have that $100,000-plus bounty that's out there. Part of the problem here is that analysis of explosive devices, analysis of bombs like this, is painstaking. It's a slow process. And if you're, if you're looking for uh, DNA, for example, on some part, on the, on the trigger, on the switch, whatever it may be, uh, that's going to take some time to be able to sift through and, and actually have a sense of uh, whether or not you have a clue, uh, something that points towards a suspect. And they don't even have a, a basis for any kind of motive here either. So it, it's a race against the clock, and the authorities are kind of in the dark at this point on who's doing it and why they're doing it. Yeah, what's your take, Jonathan, and, and where does law enforcement go from here? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I think uh, one thing that they're doing is, of course, they're looking at the internals of the, these explosive devices or is the, uh, to, to try to get the footprint of, of uh, this type of a device. You know, where can they track where the explosives are coming from? What type of explosives are they to see if this is um, a pattern that this individual uses? Also, the internals of it. You, you got to remember the uh, Murrow Federal Building, when it was blown up by Timothy McVeigh, what broke that case wide open was they found a piece of metal with a serial number from the uh, the Ryder rental truck that he had rented. So there's you follow all these different leads, and you see where they'll take you. And a lot of the times, uh, you know, explosives are not that easy to get. So what they uh, look at uh, may tell them quite a bit about the individual. But in the case where he moved from, you know, bombs that were uh, basically set on people's porches with a uh, 
um, a switch when they open up the uh, the package, a pressure pressure switch goes off to now having a tripwire. It's much more difficult because you could put these tripwires anywhere, especially if there's grass and there's a, a path that goes to the grass. Uh, you can put something down there. So it's it's a more difficult uh, uh, thing for civilians to spot as well. So what are they going to be looking for in the near future, Buck? Well, they're asking if anybody has any uh, any clues or, or any sense of who this might be. So the, the biggest break they could possibly get, Sean, would be if somebody comes forward, either for the reward or just out of a sense of, of common decency. You may get some posting somewhere from the actual serial bomber himself, assuming it's a him. Uh, you may actually have something to, to work with from the perspective of uh, a manifesto or why this person would be doing it. It seems so random. At this point, it it looks like we may be uh, in a situation where there's some political motivation. We have no idea what that would be, so that would be something that would be useful. And and then just to Jonathan's point, you're you're hoping to get uh, some information from the, all we really have here, Sean, are injured or injured and killed people and and devices that have exploded. There's really not much to work with beyond that. So in the forensic analysis of the actual uh, IEDs in this case, you're just you hoping know, to get that break. Well, the one thing that you've got to remember is there's more cameras around, Jonathan, than we've ever had in our lives. So you would think, mm-hmm. you know, when this happens again and again, that they're going to slip up and they're going to get caught on camera and then they're going to publish those photos. And I think that's probably the most likely way we get them, no? Well, you would think, Sean, but, uh, you know, I assisted in the, uh, the, time, the first Times Square bombing case in 2008 uh, where uh, an anarchist rode up on a bicycle and put a pipe bomb at three in the morning on the recruitment station in Times Square. And there, you know, there's cameras everywhere there. Uh, and they saw the guy the entire path that he took, but we couldn't identify him because the cameras were too far away. Yeah. So uh, that that's where, and most people don't have cameras on their homes. Um, so I, I think really to tell you the truth, Sean, I, I think that uh, in most of the cases that I've seen, whether it be a bomber or a shooter, if we look at the past, there are people that know this person and would suspect them right away. Timothy, uh, not Timothy McVeigh, but um, the Unabomber, you know, uh, Ted Kaczynski. There were people that. Oh, it was his own him. brother that gave him up, if I remember that's that right. case correctly, right? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yeah. All right, guys, thank so, you. We're going to continue to update people on the situation. We'll have more on Hannity tonight. Buck, thank you. Jonathan, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. One of the tweets the president pointed out this weekend He said, Andrew McCabe's fired. He said, a great day for the hardworking men and women of the FBI and for democracy. You know, if you look at everything that we know about McCabe and what the IG is saying and what the FBI is saying is, you know, this is a guy that committed crimes, lied to FBI investigators. I thought that's what General Flynn was charged with. He illegally leaked to the press, lied under oath. Um, These are all major crimes here. And this is not Donald Trump saying it. This is the FBI saying it. This is the inspector general saying it. I mean, when everything that we seem to to know now is that how all of these people involved in this literally trying to hijack the 2016 election because they thought they knew better than the American people. And they did everything that they could do to protect Hillary Clinton. And I'm talking about McCabe and Strzok and and Lisa Page and Comey and, you know, they all took a deep dive for Hillary Clinton. Now, Hillary could have, uh, in my view, confessed to kidnapping and, and they wouldn't get in trouble. 
You can have documentation. We can have a video of it. And it seems these people would have let her off. You know, she could have confessed to all of it. It wouldn't have mattered. You know, you've got a fake news dossier. You've got which, you know, we know they lied to the FISA court. We know that McCabe tried to bury the news for over a month that the FBI had found thousands of Hillary Clinton State Department emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop. I went back and checked the original reports, and guess what? The investigators who originally found the emails weren't the FBI. That was an NYPD investigation, and but for the NYPD find, finding it, the FBI already had it. And then the U.K. Daily Mail broke that the news that the NYPD had discovered it. That was five days before Comey revealed that the FBI was involved. We're, we're heading into an election here. And they've done so much up to that point to literally, you know, protect Hillary Clinton. And that's why, you know, if you look at everything that we are talking about here, this is all basic and fundamental. And I'll get to this in the next hour. But, you know, what did what did Comey know about McCabe's conduct and about his leaking and lying? Did he know anything? You know, by the way, why did Comey say, oh, that dossier, why did he tell Donald Trump in Trump Tower 2017, January, before the inauguration, oh, it's salacious and unverified. But yet that was used as the bulk of information to obtain a FISA court surveillance warrant against Carter Page and the Trump campaign. You know, and then you've got the whole, did, did they ever check to see if, you know, who paid for the Russian dossier? When did they know that Hillary paid for it? Or the DNC paid for it. You know, who paid Christopher Steele besides the money that they actually funneled through Perkins Coie? You know, did they know that Steele had these Russian sources? Does the FBI not have an obligation here to verify such salacious details that come from Russians, that come from the Hillary campaign, that hires Fusion GPS, that funnels money into a, a, a law firm that Obama used in 2012 against Mitt Romney. You know, what did they know about, what, how do you exonerate somebody? And I know so many law enforcement, no, not one person in law enforcement, not one, has ever heard of exonerating somebody before interviewing and investigating them and exonerating them and drafting the exoneration months before. Mishandling classified information, 18 U.S.C. 793, it's a felony. Destroying such is a felony. If you, in fact, if you're subpoenaed by the government or by Congress to give over information, don't go delete the emails and think you're going to get away with it. Most of you will not, unless your name is Clinton. And then, by the way, when you're done deleting them, and then you go out and acid wash your hard drive and bust up your Blackberries and your other devices with a hammer. That sounds like you're obstructing justice in anybody else's world. They knew all of this and they wanted Hillary to run. And as a result of them wanting to keep her in the game, they didn't care that she mishandled classified information. They didn't care that they, she destroyed it. They didn't care that she deleted. They didn't care that she acid washed. They didn't care that she destroyed devices. They didn't care about any of it. The FBI then gets a dossier and literally uses the Clinton bought and paid for dossier, which they knew. And by the way, this is not the FBI. These are the top people at the FBI. This is McCabe, Comey, Strzok, and Page, and Loretta Lynch. 
and they didn't do anything about it. And Rod Rosenstein, I think, is up to his eyeballs and his ass in this, too. And, oh, well, Donald Trump's frustrated. How could you blame him for being frustrated? Because we have real evidence of real crimes that were really committed, and everybody at the highest levels of law enforcement covered them up. There's not one of you in this audience that ever would get away with this garbage. Can you imagine if the FBI found out they subpoenaed Hannity's emails? Hannity deletes them. Hannity acid washes his hard drive with bleach pit. Hannity then busts up every single device that the, uh, my, my iPad, my iPhone, my BlackBerry, I don't have a BlackBerry. I bust them all. I, I get Linda to bust them with a hammer. I make her, I, I put in front of her her hate list so she really busts them up good. What do you think's going to happen? And these weak, let Mueller do, they're, all Donald Trump said is none of this should have happened. And he's right. None of this should have happened. And then you got McCabe thinking he's all tough. I handed over Trump notes. Oh, okay. So did Comey. And so did Susan Rice with her CYA. You know, I got to tell you, it gets to the point. When are the real crimes going to be investigated? You know, some idiot over at CNN says this week, oh, Hannity won this week. McCabe is, no, Hannity was right. I don't take any pleasure in the fact that our top law enforcement, I, I don't want Americans to paint with a broad brush because this is not the FBI that we know. This is not the men and women of the FBI. This is not the men and women of law enforcement. This is an anomaly of the top people in the deep state that have all the power. And, you know, if you looked at the Daily Caller and their articles, you know, you have uh, Kallstrom saying, yeah, high-ranking people throughout government protected Hillary Clinton from being indicted. That's all true. What's happening is the deep state, their day of reckoning has begun. And McCain, McCain, by the way, made life hell for Comey. Comey stood in the way of the Clinton email investigation. Oh, FBI agents are saying that. FBI agents are fed up with their reputations being sullied needlessly because of the actions of a few. And I don't blame them. But don't fall into that trap. Most people in, in intelligence, CIA, FBI, they're good people, not these people. Rather than race through all of the details here, um, there's so much happening, so much you need to understand. We have Sarah Carter and David Schoen for the next hour. We're, we're just going to do a deep dive into everything that's happened over the weekend. Also, we have the first exclusive interview. Peter Schweitzer, who wrote Clinton Cash, has a brand new book out three years later, Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. He will join us coming up as well today, and we're monitoring all the events out of Austin. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. So Friday night, as we are doing Hannity, well, we literally are sitting there waiting on the news. We're expecting the news that, in fact, Andrew McCabe is going to be fired. It happens just as I'm signing off at 9.59 into the 10 o'clock hour. And, uh, but it's very interesting, the statement, as we have been discussing, came out from the Attorney General Jeff Sessions. After an extensive and fair investigation, according to the Department of Justice procedure, the, Deport- the, the, the Department of Office of Inspector General provided its report on allegations of misconduct by Andrew McCabe to the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility, OPR. 
Now, the FBI's OPR then reviewed the report and the underlying documents and issued a disciplinary proposal recommending the dismissal of Mr. McCabe. Now, let me stop there. It wasn't Donald Trump firing Andrew McCabe, that there is a process within the Department of Justice and the FBI and the Office of Professional Responsibility. Anyway, so uh, Attorney General Sessions goes on, both the OIG The FBI's OPR reports concluded that Mr. McCabe made an unauthorized disclosure to the news media, lacked candor, including under oath on multiple occasions. And the FBI expects every employee to adhere to the highest standards of honesty, integrity and accountability. And as the OPR uh, proposal stated, all FBI employees know that lacking candor under oath results in dismissal and that our integrity is our brand. And pursuant pursuant to the Department Order 1202, based on the report of the Inspector General, the findings of the FBI Office of Professional Responsibility and the recommendations of the department's senior career official, I have terminated the employment of Andrew McCabe effective immediately. All right. So Andrew McCabe fires back. We'll get back into his statement in just a second. But I want to do a deep dive into what all of this means, because as I watch the coverage all weekend long, of course, the media gets it wrong and they're insinuating and they're suggesting that, in fact, Donald Trump did this. We've known an awful lot about Andrew McCabe for a long time. And I have said for a long time, based on truth, based on ethics, based on evidence, that Andrew McCabe could have and should have been fired a long time ago. I would say the same thing that James Comey, we now know more about him than ever before. He deserved to be fired. Why Lisa Page, and who was the attorney, basically, or the counsel that Andrew McCabe relied on, and Peter Strzok, why haven't they been fired? Anyway, here to uh, join us in all of this, we have Sarah Carter, Fox News contributor, investigative reporter, David Schoen, civil rights and criminal defense attorney, Welcome, both of you. Uh, All right. Let's start. Let's start with, you know, before we even got into this, we had the release of newly obtained text messages that we talked about during the Friday hour on Hannity between Strzok and Page. And it revealed, of course, new damning information. And we it turns out that Strzok was friends with the federal judge, Rudolph Contreras, who now sits on the FISA court and the romantic couple. The two Trump haters and Hillary lovers, Strzok and Page, were also messaging back and forth about the best way to talk to and communicate with Judge Contreras. And we have this long exchange. Sarah Carter. Yes. uh, The the revelations were astounding because, Sean, remember, this has been the question has been lingering for months now. Why did Contreras recuse himself on December 7th, 2017 from the case? And nobody had a straight answer. I mean, neither did we get, we didn't really get a statement from Contreras. Nobody's seen any statement from Judge Contreras. And courts only suggested that he had been recused. They had recused him from the case. And now we see these text messages back and forth, which were, by the way, kept from Congress. They were redacted from the documents Congress turned over, I mean, from the documents that the DOJ turned over to Congress. So all of a sudden, you know, they go back, you have investigators going back from the House Oversight Committee to check these documents out, and all of a sudden they discover, lo and behold, that that both Strzok and Page were discussing Contreras, that they were discussing their close relationship with Rudy, 
And they were also discussing the fact that they had to be very careful and especially struck in how he approached him because he was such good friends with him that he wouldn't want him to have to recuse himself because he found out that Contreras had been moved to the Fifth Court. That's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that he would be going to to get warrants to spy basically on Americans and foreigners. So this was really a fascinating, a huge development. It changed everything, and it's actually something that the attorneys for Michael Flynn, remember Contreras presided over the December 1st, Michael Flynn, guilty plea that they did not know about, according to the sources I've spoken with. So why did the DOJ keep this from Congress? Why did they? Why were they not forthcoming with this information? And it makes me wonder how much more information they have that they haven't disclosed to either Congress well, we know there are 50,000 supposed text messages, and, and we're at about the 1,000 mark, and they buried this over the Department of Justice, and the only way we got a hold of it is because two congressmen, uh, Jordans and Meadows, sent over their staffers, and they just happened to pick up on all of this. David Schoen, I'll go to you. I mean, when they're talking about, oh, our, our best friend is on the Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Court. Uh, by the way, he's the guy. We have this great mystery. Why did he accept General Michael Flynn's plea? And in that particular case, General Flynn was interviewed also by Peter Strzok. So there's a conflict in the beginning. And then after he accepts General Flynn's plea, he recuses himself after. That would never be the natural order of things. Absolutely correct. And uh, look, I mean, you know, Sarah really hit on uh, the depth of this uh, uh, scandal. But I I think the single most uh, shocking fact is direct messaging to and from a judge, federal judge, not just any federal judge. As you pointed out, Mr. Hannity, a judge who sits on the FISA court. Uh, again, as we've said before, there is probably no more sensitive, secretive procedure in our American government than what goes on in the FISA court. To have corruption or a conflict or even untoward conduct that at least suggests some uh, impropriety or appearance of impropriety is beyond the pale. And it's simply not getting the coverage that it should be. Well, nothing's getting the coverage that it should be because the media in this country is corrupt. They're agenda driven and they've lied to the American people for over a year. But when they specifically talk about uh, Judge Contreras and how they know each other and how Peter Strzok is very straightforward. Oh, he knows what I do. And yet he's even pointing out that any espionage uh, FISA case that comes before him, well, I'm in charge of espionage for the FBI. There's a very sharp regulation on who and how contact is to be made uh, with the FISA court for very good reason, because it is a secretive ex parte court. That's not a normal part of our system. The default in our system, as you well know, is transparency and openness, right to the public to know what's happening. That's not the case with the FISA court. It's a narrow exception carved out in 78 for very specific national security reasons. We can't have this kind of conduct, and frankly, the judge must be put under investigation uh, right away as well. Judge Contreras in this particular case. And, you know, don't we believe that there were four separate FISA judges, all of them lied to, all of them had a, a glaring omission on the dossier. Uh, they were never told that the dossier was unverified. They never were told that it wasn't corroborated as per FISA, FISA law, as per FBI protocol. 
Sarah Carter? Well, we don't know if there were four separate judges. We're not quite sure on that yet because we haven't been able to find out who actually signed off on these. That's why we don't know if Contreras was one of them, if Judge Contreras was one of them. And this is the reason why, I mean, look, even Carter Page himself is not objecting to having these applications go public. He wants that. And even more importantly, the the fifth court itself wants has no objection to have the applications go public so we know what was going on and i think david brought up such an important point here this is the only court where we don't have any visibility and where the person who when the fbi seeks the warrant on this person has really no ability to defend themselves against the accusations that's why these FISA warrant applications, why these applications are so intensive. They're supposed to be, you know, some people I've talked to said it sometimes takes about 60 pages, you know, to fill these things out. And, you know, in the past, people were terrified about filling these things out on Americans because they didn't want anything to come back and haunt them. So it was a very, very low, low profile when you see that uh, when they try to get an application on an American, it would be, it would be very minimal. Some people said in their entire careers as, you know, uh, in law enforcement, they'd only do two of them on Americans or three. All right. So this- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, but, but let me go to McCabe. McCabe is being accused of lying to FBI investigators and illegally listened, uh, leaking to the press, and he lied under oath. Now, you cannot have any credibility um, if you're the number two top law enforcement person in the country and you, you don't have credibility when you're lying and lying under oath in particular. Now, either he did or he didn't. Now, the if you look at specifically the Office of Professional Responsibility, the FBI themselves, they're saying that happened. The reason that, I guess, uh, the, the new FBI director, Ray, demoted him was because of what he knew was coming in the Inspector General report. You know, and as the, as the statement of the Attorney General Jeff Sessions said, you know, every employee knows that if they lack candor under oath, it's immediate dismissal. And everybody's saying, well, it has to do with his pension. Democrats are offering to let him work for two days. Uh, but the bottom line is you've got Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, you got McCabe, you got Comey. And the reality is we all know Hillary t- committed felonies. We know that 18 USC, you can't mishandle classified top secret special access program information. We know that you can't take subpoenaed emails delete them, acid wash them, and then break up any devices you have where the emails might appear. That's called obstruction of justice, where I come from, uh, David Schoen. Well, I, I tell you, you know, you raise very interesting issues here, uh, Mr. Hannity, but I'll tell you, you know, there is an alternative, of course, to the idea that Mr. McCabe was lying, and that alternative would necessarily be that Mr. Comey was lying, or it could be that they're both lying, frankly, and that's part of the problem this McCabe incident has raised for uh, former director Comey, um, especially if one considers Mr. McCabe's statement. I know you said um, you intend to get to that statement later. I don't want to steal your thunder, but I have to say this. You, know, uh, um, you read from Mr. Sessions' uh, statement. One of the most interesting things in McCabe's statement that, uh, that hasn't gotten much coverage yet is the idea that 
he's blaming not just we see the press blaming President Trump and so on, but McCabe doesn't just blame Trump. He blames the inspector general. He says specifically in his statement that the OIG's focus on me and this report became a part of an unprecedented effort by the administration, driven by the president himself, to remove me from my position, destroy my reputation, possibly strip him of pension, etc. So it's all about McCabe, first of all. But secondly, he's now accusing the OIG, Mr. Horowitz, of collusion with the president. No one has suggested that yet. And again, as I've said before, I've known Mr. Horowitz a long time. People may agree or disagree with findings, particular case. He's an honest man, and he's certainly not directly associated with President Trump by any way, means, or shape. Listen, he's an Obama appointee. I'm frankly suspicious of him, just like everybody that works for Mueller <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is a donor to either Hillary, Obama, or the DNC, for crying out loud. All right, we're going to continue. We'll do our deep dive here. We have Sarah Carter, David Schoen with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We have a lot more to get into regarding all of these issues. And as we continue our discussion of the firing of McCabe, Sarah Carter, David uh, Schoen are with us. Um, so the president goes out this weekend and the president says, yeah, this guy was corrupt. He talked about Comey. Yeah, Comey's corrupt. I put out a series of questions. I don't know if either one of you saw them on Twitter for James Comey and an invitation for James Comey to join us for three hours on this radio program and one hour on Hannity on the Fox News channel. Uh, I know he's going over to the Clinton's BFF, George Stephanopoulos and Trump hater Stephen Colbert and the view where they hate all things Trump. Uh, I'd like to see James Comey answer some important questions. Sarah Carter. James Comey needs to answer those questions, Sean, and he will have to answer those questions. And I think David was right when he pointed out the fact that even in in, uh, McCabe's own statement, the one that he made uh, directly, I mean, it was within minutes, he already, look, McCabe already knew this was coming. He lied to the FBI. That's that's a offense, a fireable offense. He could also be charged, and what I'm hearing from my sources, he will be charged, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for lying and possibly for other issues. Uh, obstruction is one of them. And now he's coming out swinging, and he kind of wrapped Comey up into his big mess because one of them, either both are lying or one of them's lying because Comey testified that he never authorized leaks. So he needs, he needs to address that directly. And another important here is that we have to take into consideration that when you see Trump's tweets, I mean, of course, this was the first time he ever mentioned Robert Mueller directly and this investigation. I mean, it, it feels like, and he says he's on a wit, they're on a witch hunt. He's, they're coming after him. But he has a right to defend himself, too. And he has a right to defend himself. And I think what's even more interesting is the fact that you have all of these congressional members who came out and said, well, it'll be the end of his presidency if he, if he fires Mueller, if he comes after Mueller. But some of those same Republicans who came out and said that, they also asked uh, for a second special counsel to investigate the investigator. So they're basically saying, yeah, keep the Mueller investigation going, uh, and now let's get a second special counsel to investigate the investigators, but we don't want anything to happen to Mueller because we, we suspect that Mueller's investigation is going to, uh, he's going to uphold uh, the, the laws of here and, and the balance of justice. Well, for a lot of people, that isn't the case. No. He's looking for a crime. And, and especially to the president and to others that are, that are concerned about this, they're afraid that Mueller is in search of a crime in search of a crime, and he's going to try to find one. And Mueller was given a broad-sweeping mandate by Rod Rosenstein, who we believe 
argued for and used as a justification for in the subsequent renewal applications for FISA. Didn't Rod Rosenstein uh, sign off on on the second one? We have to go to a break here. We'll continue straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Toll free on numbers 800-941-SEAN. If you want to join us, we continue with Sarah Carter, investigative reporter, David Schoen, civil rights and criminal defense attorney. Uh, so this weekend, um, James Sanctimonious Comey goes out there. He's got this book that's coming out in the middle of April. And I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I see a guy that has a lot of potential legal and criminal issues standing before him. Uh, I don't know a single lawyer that would advise him to not only do the book, but go on a book tour. Uh, although he's doing really easy interviews, he's going on with Clinton sycophant, Georgie Stephanopoulos, and then he's going on late night with Stephen Colbert, and then he's going on with the ladies of The View, and I have no doubt that Meghan McCain will get one question and one question only. So he writes this weekend on Twitter, as he often does in his highfalutin, holier-than-thou, sanctimonious way, Mr. President, the American people will hear my story very soon. They can judge for themselves who is an honor, who is honorable and who is not. So I sent out a series of tweets. Mr. Comey, what did you know about McCabe is leaking in his conduct, considering he was his boss? And then I said, was the unverified salacious dossier, and I used those specific words because Comey used them to Trump in January of 2017, and we know that, unsal- that salacious and unverified document was used as the bulk of the FISA application three months earlier in October of 2016. Why didn't the FBI verify and corroborate the dossier? Did you know the dossier used Russian sources? And then I asked Mr. Comey, did you know that Hillary Rodham Clinton paid for the lies, the Russian lies in the dossier? Did you or anyone at the FBI pay Christopher Steele? Did you ask Steele about his Russian sources that he used in the dossier? Did the FBI make any attempt to interview the Russian sources? And then I said, did you ask the Fusion GPS owners if they corroborated the Russian dossier? And why did Hillary's campaign and the DNC funnel Fusion GPS's payments and Steele's payments through this law firm, Perkins Coie? And what did you know about the efforts to pass on the unverified salacious dossier to American media companies? In other words, lies, propaganda to manipulate an election and working hand in hand with the corrupt media. And then I said, Mr. Comey. Why were you writing Hillary's exoneration in May of 2016, long before she was interviewed in July of 2016? I said, 18 U.S.C. 793, it's illegal to mishandle classified top secret special access program information. Why was such information mishandled by Hillary Rodham Clinton? And then I wrote, did Hillary mishandle such information by putting information on a server in a mom and pop shop bathroom closet? And how many foreign intelligence agencies do you believe hacked Hillary Rodham Clinton's server? What countries did Russia, did China, did Iran, did North Korea hack into Hillary's server? And then I asked Comey, is it a crime to delete emails that have been subpoenaed? And when Hillary deleted 33,000 subpoenaed emails, is that obstruction of justice? And what about Hillary acid washing her hard drive with bleach bit? And then I finally say this, Mr. Comey, I know you're scheduled to be on Good Morning America with Clinton BFF George Stephanopoulos. I know you're scheduled to be on the Colbert Late Show and The View. Would you accept my invitation? Uh, Am I missing a lot of questions here, David Schoen? 
No, but I think you just ruined your invitation by asking them. Uh, he wouldn't dare come on there. Uh, you look, you've given a great head start to what will hopefully be the special counsel. Uh, you know that he wouldn't dare answer those questions uh, in, in your forum, in any forum, but certainly not when you're going to be relentless with uh, any dodging for any answers. Um, he should, as a matter of business, go on your show. Uh, his agent should book it because he'll sell more books, but I don't think he'll dare come on there. I hope he will. Um, but I don't think you're, you're missing. I don't think you're missing any questions. You might add on there uh, about the circumstance of giving memos to a law professor friend that were uh, apparently for Congress instead. But I guess that's you know one of many subjects. Um, look, we're seeing with Mr. Comey, unfortunately, this part of this culture that public servants try to capitalize on their ego and um, on opportunities. So this book tour is going to bring in millions. He may rue the day that he decided to have it, as some have suggested already, including you. Maybe you're at the forefront um, because he's going to have to answer some of these questions. And now he's going to have to answer the McCabe controversy. McCabe has certainly accused him. Of, uh, it's, McCabe's statement is certainly at odds with him, cannot be reconciled with what uh, Mr. Comey. If you were his lawyer, would you allow him to write a book under any circumstances? Would you represent no, him? No, absolutely no. Would I represent him? No. If he made that bad decision, then maybe. But no, I certainly would not advise him to. And certainly not at this stage in things. He has no idea what's still going to surface. I, w- I want to touch on one other subject that you raised earlier, and Sarah made a very important point about. And it relates to Comey also, but really to Mueller mostly. I'm, I was surprised, maybe shocked even, to see respect members of Congress, our representatives, representatives of people taking the position that to criticize the Mueller investigation or even suggest that it should be stopped is acting guilty or that one should act like the president should act like he's not guilty. The lawyer should treat his clients as if he's not guilty and not stop criticizing the investigation. That's an un-American position to take. The challenging of the integrity of an investigation is an absolutely fundamental avenue the Supreme Court has recognized for any sort of prosecution. As Sarah said far more eloquently than I before, uh, it's a very dangerous situation when we have allegations that someone is operating on an agenda. And you've said this, Mr. Hannity, it's, it, when an investigation is arguably politically motivated with a, a foregone conclusion as an agenda, then everyone should speak up and protest the investigation, guilty or not guilty. So that, that's one aspect of it. But the other part of this is how short is our institutional memory? It's just from between 2011 and 2017, one after another uh, source commented on various scandals or malfeasance that Mr. Mueller had been involved with, certainly Mr. Comey also. In fact, a former FBI agent, legal counsel of the FBI, wrote a piece about various scandals that both Mueller and Comey were involved with that she personally witnessed, including lying and cover-ups and that sort of thing. But all of a sudden, Mr. Mueller is above the law. He's a hero. Um, It's not appropriate. Again, I I welcome anyone to read any of these sources, even such uh, questionable sources uh, uh, that we find in the mainstream media that always are um, glad-handing Mr. Mueller these days. But, you know, the New York Times has raised questions about him in the past, the New York Post, the Boston Globe, uh, for very specific reasons. And people should do their homework. I saw We're going to we're gonna do a deep dive into who Robert Mueller is this week, so stay tuned on that. Uh, let, let me go back to Sarah for a minute. So everybody got all worked up this weekend when Donald Trump mentioned that the Mueller probe should never have been started in the first place. There was no collusion, was no crime. Now, you know, some people are saying, well, if you're if you're innocent, you would never say you're innocent. And I think it's just the opposite. I think if I'm innocent, I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops. 
And it's amazing how the media somehow interpreted uh, the president's belief that it never should have been started and that a lot of it's based on fraudulent activities, a fake dossier bought and paid for by Hillary and the DNC and lying to a FISA court. And uh, and I agree with the president. We have evidence of real crimes and 14 months and, and later and we have no evidence of Trump Russia collusion at all. Not even in the case of anybody that Mueller has indicted. It feels like we're living in an altered universe. I mean, where you're seeing all of this evidence spill out against all of these players to the point where, I mean, they're being fired, they're being let go, uh, and it's and it's not just the president firing. It is the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility. We have an inspector general who was appointed by Obama, Michael Horowitz, who's very well respected on both sides of the aisle by both Republicans and Democrats, and even McCabe himself himself welcomed in the past welcomed uh, Michael Horowitz conducting this investigation even in even in, in even into McCabe even into himself he was fine with it and here you know Horowitz finds all of this evidence turns it over to OPR he talks with Christopher Ray the FBI director who was at that point in time basically backing you know his colleague there at the FBI McCabe and then finally Ray said I, I gotta let you go you can't come in and even when he went in that Monday, the day that he was fired. You know, Sean, I know this from multiple sources. All of his boxes were packed. He was out of there. He wasn't allowed in the office anymore. I mean, everything was packed up for him. He was gone. How, what do you think Christopher Ray discovered that day? What do you think OPR, which is, by the way, has many of his friends work in OPR? But if, but if you listen to the, f- the phony news media in this country, they made it sound all weekend like Donald Trump did this. Well, Donald Donald Trump had every right to defend himself. And he obviously, when you come out publicly and you're saying, look, there is no collusion here. And for 14 months, we've been waiting for Brennan or Clapper, all these people that keep coming out on Twitter, former Obama officials, senior officials, people that were uh, McCabe, the FBI, anybody, give us evidence. If you have it, give it. Put it out there in the public, and they've never been able to do that because there is no evidence of collusion. What, what about these articles this weekend? FBI agents saying that Comey stood in the way of the Clinton email investigation. Uh, McCabe making life tougher for Comey. You know, as he actually said this weekend, and he went out there and said, "Oh, by the way, I did all of this leaking with the approval of the director." So now he has to answer that question. And then I would add to that and go back to the the comment that was made by James Kallstrom, which I thought was devastating, that high-ranking people throughout the government had a plot to protect Hillary from being indicted. Now, that would be James Comey. That would be Peter Strzok. That would be Andrew McCabe. That would be Lisa Page and probably Loretta Lynch. And the reason is, is they're going to overlook her obvious felonies, a multitude of crimes, give a fixed and rigged investigation to keep her in the race and keep Donald Trump from being president of the United States. And then, oh, boy, in the process, we've got an insurance policy because we lied to a FISA court with Hillary bought and paid for Russian lies. And then we use those lies to get a FISA application to spy on an associate, which leads us into the emails of the entire Trump system. So I cannot believe for a second here that what Kalstrom is saying is overstated in any way. I think Kalstrom nailed it. That there are deep state actors that thought they knew better than the American people. 
did nail it. He did nail it. And he, you know, the more you see the evidence on its face, this isn't just speculation. That you were hearing it from their own words, from the text messages, from the emails, from the evidence in the documents, which they changed. Uh, Comey himself and other people at the FBI made significant changes in the reasons and the decision to exonerate Hillary Clinton. So I think Kalstrom, who's, who's a brilliant man, nailed it right on the head. And he knows exactly what he's talking about. And this is the reason why a second special counsel is so necessary. Are we going to get that? Are we getting a second special counsel? Because I don't see you cannot have all of these top people doing what they're doing, all best friends, all suspect in terms of what their political motivations are now investigating themselves because it's never going to come out right. No, it'll never come out right, and this is the reason why we need a second special counsel. And I do believe a second special counsel will be appointed. Remember, yeah. this is coming also from Chairman uh, Grassley, who's the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee and has quite and a Graham bit of pull. And and Tillis and Cornyn, and now pretty much everybody is beginning to see that there's no other way out of this to investigate the investigators. All right, guys, stay right there. David Schoen, Sarah Carter, 800-941-SHAWN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Peter Schweitzer, a blockbuster bombshell new book about how all your political friends in Washington, they go there and they get really rich working there. Wait till you hear the details of some of the crimes he's uncovering. Listen, I want to remind you about Simply Safe. If you need to protect your home and family, and we all do, Simply Safe Home Security is the latest, greatest, best technology on the market. Now, for example, if a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe still works. Uh, say the they destroy your keypad, your siren. Simply Safe will still get the help that you need. Now, it may be overkill in some ways. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but Simply Safe is, and that's why the system is so great. It's always available, always working, always ready. Now, Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg. It doesn't. Instead, they only charge you for what's fair. 24 hours, professional monitoring, seven days a week, $14.99 a month, no installation fee, no contract to sign, no hidden fee at all. So I recommend Simply Safe. It's the best at home security. And just go to simplysafehannity.com today. Simplysafehannity.com. Protect your home, protect your family. Simplysafehannity.com. Quick break right back. We'll continue. And as we continue, David Schoen and Sarah Carter wrapping up this hour, our deep dive. Andrew McCabe is fired. Uh, Now we see that the House Intel Committee soon will be talking to the lovebirds, Struck and Page. Uh, David Schoen, I've got to imagine there's going to be more firings. And to quote PJ Media and Roger Simon, the, the reckoning of the FBI and the deep state has begun. I suppose that's right, and I, I, I don't mean this to just gladhand, but uh, you have to take a good bit of the credit for it, quite frankly. Um, I, I was thinking a minute ago, if you were to do a retrospective one day, when this all plays out, on how much of this you and then through Sarah's investigative reporting really brought to light that would never have been brought to light otherwise, frankly, because I think you care a great deal about the Constitution and about the institutions, I think... Uh, We'll be amazed to see how many of these issues you really brought to the fore. But, you know, um, can I tell you one thing on that point? So some dope over at CNN this weekend, somebody quoted it to me and sent me an article, you know, literally says, well, Hannity won now. He's the winner here because because Andrew McCabe was nobody wins. That's it. Nobody wins when you have high ranking government officials in a particular agency that I love and law enforcement that I love 
involved in this type of behavior. But with that said, it will destroy the country if it's not revealed, if they continue these antics and tactics and and scheming and plotting and planning. That's 100 percent right. And uh, quite frankly, I've never heard you gloat about the winning uh, because you don't. Um, That's why I felt it necessary to at least give a bit of credit here. Um, But in in any event, I think getting back to what you said, you know, Sarah raised a very important point. This is one of the many reasons why a special counsel is the only viable option. As much as everyone dreads that because we see these things never ending and going down every rabbit trail. But that is uh, something, again, that's missed the radar. Sarah just mentioned it, is that um, the, the OPR action is all the more remarkable because he does, Mr. McCabe, does have friends there. That's what's changing, maybe through your show, maybe through other um, uh, hot points. Now, I, I don't know what's causing it. Something's changing. You know, my, mm. my father was an FBI agent, so I have a great deal of admiration for the FBI. Same here. Uh, they're heroes to me. But we, they've never really been held accountable from above before. And part of that's because of this old boy network. They never boy thought existed. Trump would win, and they never thought this would come out. That's the problem. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free numbers. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, David. All right, News Roundup Information Overload, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We were very proud of having the first interview with Peter Schweitzer when his book Clinton Cash came out and how rich the Clintons, uh, well, they enriched themselves in every aspect of their political career. And that brought up the whole issue of Uranium One long before anybody else was talking about it. And he was the one that had figured it out. We've since have taken that story a lot deeper and further, but he laid the a strong foundation for it. Well, we have the first interview today. His new book is out, and it's called Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hide Corruption and Enrich Family and Friends, asking very hard questions about past and current elected officials who are bilking the system. Um, how are you? Good to see you again. Great to be here with you, Sean. Thanks for having me. Listen, the bottom line here is... The amount of corruption and personal enrichment is breathtaking. Give a broad overview, and then we'll get to the specifics. Well, a lot of times when people think of corruption, Sean, they think of, uh, uh, you know, Congressman Jefferson, who had the $90,000 cash in his refrigerator. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I remember. I forgot about it. Now I remember. Exactly. Cold, hard cash Jefferson, they called him. That that is uh, peanuts compared to what we're talking about. We're talking about people at the highest levels of government, for example, the Obama administration, whose family members are getting juiced into multi-billion, with a B, dollar deals from foreign governments. So, you know, gone are the days of the, uh, you know, the shoeboxes full of cash. We're now talking about large private equity deals of a billion dollars or more that are enriching uh, people on a massive scale. And of course, there are strings attached with that money. And I think it's undermining the decision making in the country. Let's let's first name and maybe take this logically, the the big, most corrupt people you're exposing in this book, Obama, George Soros, by the way, plays a big role in this yep. book. Uh, also, Biden and Kerry, and I'll let you name the McConnell and his wife and and others. Yeah, that's right. I mean, to take one example um, involving uh, the uh, Secretary of State during the Obama administration, uh, John Kerry, and the Vice President uh, Biden. Uh, you had the sons of those two individuals set up something uh, called the Rosemont Seneca Partners, uh, which was a company they set up in 2009. And, and basically, Chris Hines, who's the uh, stepson of John Kerry, put up half the money. Uh, but the two main players uh, were a guy named Devin Archer, who was a longtime aide and confidant uh, of Kerry, uh, and Hunter Biden, the son of the vice president. 
And what basically happens is that Hunter Biden in 2013 of December flies over on Air Force Two with his father as his father is sitting down and dealing with Chinese officials on the South China Sea, trade issues, etc. By the way, just one intervention, one interruption here. If it was Ivanka Trump, oh, watch out. <laughs> Go ahead, explain well, this. Exactly. He flies with his father yeah. on Air Force Two, which I'm cool with. He's allowed yeah. to bring his family. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not the trip. It's the aftermath that's bothersome. Now, now on that trip, um, the vice president, Biden, is criticized for going soft on the Chinese. And what you find out is 10 days later when they leave, Hunter Biden secures a what becomes a $1.5 billion private equity deal with a government bank in China. Now, Hunter Biden, let's be clear about this. Hunter Biden was a lobbyist before his father was vice president. He does not have background in private equity. He has no background in China. The other individual involved in this is Devin Archer, uh, who is a a co-chair of the uh, finance committee for John Kerry's 2004 campaign, also has little experience in private equity. And they get this $1.5 billion in Chinese money to invest in companies, essentially buying assets in the United States and around the world to benefit the Chinese government. So, So 10 days after Biden and his son go to China uh, on a trip where, where, where Biden is viewed as being weak and easy on the Chinese government, his own son's firm scores a billion and a half dollar deal with a bank of China for basically Chinese investors to invest in America and how much money are they making in all of this how, you know lunch bucket Joe I think you referred to him in the book <laughs> that's you know? right that's the problem Sean we don't know because there's no disclosure requirements I mean think about this for a second because this is, he's using his son that's right so this is what's breathtaking if if Joe Biden as vice president gets a $1,500 campaign contribution he's required to disclose it if his son gets a 1.5 billion dollar private equity deal from the Chinese government there's no disclosure requirement. And that's the problem. And here's what happens, Sean. That's not even the worst part of the story. There are two other deals involving these entities, involving Hunter Biden, involving Devin Archer, involving the Chinese government as well. You've got this offshore account called Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners. Chinese government puts $38 million into that. Rosemont, name sounds familiar. Again, you've got Hunter Biden and you've got Devin Archer. Third deal, Rosemont Realty, a real estate state firm owned by Chris Hines, Hunter Biden, and involving them. The Chinese come in and buy that as well with a promise of $3 billion to be invested in this real estate company. This is all occurring in the context of these fathers negotiating with the Chinese government. You call it in the book corruption by proxy. Right. So explain it in more detail and explain specifically, you know, this deal, the other family deal. Yeah. uh, Because it's also John Kerry's kid. Yeah. Well, so here's the the bottom line, Sean. The bottom line is that, that the corruption laws in the United States are very clear. If you are a politician and I want a favor from you, whether I give money to you or I give money to your son to try to get access or favorable treatment. Uh, That could constitute a crime if there's a quid pro quo. And yet the disclosure requirements in the United States do not require the disclosure of financial ties involving immediate family members. And that's a huge part of the problem. But there are national security implications for this, Sean, too. So this this $1.5 billion the Chinese government gives Hunter Biden to invest One of the companies they invest in, Sean, as an anchor investor is called CGN, China General Nuclear. 
Uh, so already you know this is this is an atomic power company. What a lot of people won't realize is they invest in this. Less than a year later, the FBI charges CGN with stealing nuclear secrets in the United States. And what what this company that now remember Hunter Biden's involved in this, Devin Archer's involved in this. This company is trying to get access to something called the AP-1000 nuclear reactor, which is a small civilian nuclear reactor that's similar to the reactor that we put on our nuclear subs. It's not just Biden and his family. I mean, look at John Kerry, his adopted son, if I recall properly. And, you know, again, in both instances, you have Biden as vice president. Then you have John Kerry as secretary of state negotiating sensitive deals and issues with the Chinese government at the time that all of these deals are benefiting their family, which it goes back to my original point about proxy. You know, this is corruption by proxy. Yeah, I mean, corruption by proxy is, is, is exactly the charge. And you have these three major deals that are occurring between 2013 and 2016 when all of this is going down. And, and this goes to the heart of the issue. I mean, if we're worried about a PAC contribution from, let's say, an oil company influencing a politician, we should be concerned about major, large private equity deals that are being done with the children of powerful American politicians. And that's, I think, the key. That's, I think, the key element. And we need to change those laws. And the great irony in this is it's not just China, because you have uh, a whole area devoted to Russia and the influence. You talk specifically about this oligarch. I forget his particular name. Kolomoski. Which he was barred entrance into the U.S. because of legal concerns and activities in the Ukraine. I hope Paul Manafort's lawyers are listening. But in 2015, after Biden and Archer joined the board, that all changed. And with the intervention of the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, he was given admission back to the United States. Why, why was he given? What, what did they get in return? Well, that's a great question. So, you know, Devin Archer and uh, Hunter Biden get around because in addition to China, they go over to the Ukraine and they connect up with this controversial oligarch named Igor Kolomoski. Now, he is the most controversial of all the Ukrainian oligarchs. And that says something, Sean, because you know how things are in that. Have any part of these of the world. people heard of Paul Manafort and his work in the Ukraine? Yeah, well, that that's exactly right. But what's what's amazing about Kolomoski is this is a guy who, who says to Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, this former Kerry aide, I want you to come and be advisors to me in this energy company. We Again, we don't know how much they get paid, but you can bet it's a lot. They're not going to go and work for a Ukrainian company without getting well compensated. Uh, but not only does he get to be readmitted back into the United States, but you also have this other scandal, Sean. Now think about this. Igor Kolomoski has the son of the vice president and a close aide, former aide, to John Kerry on the payroll. The United States and the Obama administration takes $1.8 billion in aid through the IMF and sends it to the Ukraine using Privat Bank, which is owned by Igor Kolomoski. A billion dollars of that in the bank disappears. It's gone. It goes away. Nobody knows where it goes. And there are a lot of groups in the Ukraine who think that Kolomoski somehow was involved potentially uh, in having that money disappear. Well, that investigation is basically squelched in the Ukraine. And here's the curious thing, Sean, to show you how intertwined all of this is. The day before Donald Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017, of all the places in the world, where was Vice President Joe Biden? He was in the Ukraine. He was in the Ukraine meeting with Ukrainian officials, basically talking to them about corruption issues. 
while, of course, his son and, and the former aide are involved. Unbelievable. All right, just to prove that we're fair and balanced, uh, I, I really want to get into all of this with, I've never been the biggest fan of Mitch McConnell, um, but you have a lot of information in this book about McConnell and about his wife and how they use their political power and they made their family rich as well. And before I get to that question, do you see crimes committed here? Do you see illegality here? Do you see it's obvious conflict of interest? Yes. No question. You know, and I know I thought Obama had put in place a no lobbying rule for what, five years if you leave his right. administration. Right. Does that lobbying rule not apply to Joe Biden or Joe Biden's kids or the family? Well, this is the creativity of the political class in Washington, Sean. The law is very, very clear. You have to show an explicit quid pro quo to show that corruption has occurred. And one of the ways that proxies work is it's harder to show quid pro quo because you can never show a direct conversation where the subject of payment came up, say, between Joe Biden and Chinese officials. But if the son is involved, uh, it makes a lot harder to trace. So I think this stuff, first of all, we have to tighten the laws and the disclosure requirements. We have to have politicians disclose if they have family members that have commercial ties to foreign governments. Why does it seem that it's only the Trump family and the Trump the the Trump empire that is being held to a very different standard. How rich did the McConnell family get as a result of their, well, first let's talk about what they were involved in, their family members were involved in, and how much money do you think they got? Well, again, uh, in the case of the McConnells, it involves Chinese, uh, China. And, uh, you know, he married Elaine Chow, a you know, prominent uh, uh, American uh, public figure whose family is ethnically Chinese. Her father had a, a friendly relationship with Zhang Zemin, who was the premier of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is that Mitch McConnell in 1993 travels over with the father as guests of the China State Shipbuilding Corporation. And beginning then... The Chow family becomes heavily dependent and reliant on a close commercial relationship with the Chinese government. But again, it's by proxy. That's right. It's by proxy. And and what I chart is that relationship. And I argue that over time, Mitch McConnell has become softer on China than he was before these commercial ties existed. Shocking. All right. When we come back, you talk about the Obamas in this book. We're going to take a break. And we're going to come back and we're going to come back with Peter Schweitzer's bombshell brand new book, Secret Empires, how the American political class hides corruption and enriches their family and friends. Yeah, you have high contacts in government. That's all right. Just hire the kids. You'll make billions and nobody will know. Straight ahead. As we continue, our friend Peter Schweitzer, he's got his brand new book out. Remember how big Clinton cash was? This also exposes corruption. Secret empires, how the American political class hides corruption, enriches their family and their friends. And we talked about, you know, how these families like the Biden family and the Kerry family and the McConnell family and others, you know, they're doing all of this by proxy. In other words, oh, so politicians go easy on China. Well, they get benefits for their family. And this is extremely widespread. And the amount of money we're talking about is often in the millions. Tell us about Barack Obama in this book. Well, in the case of Barack Obama, it's a different strategy of corruption. We call it smash and grab. I mean, we think about all the different ways in which politicians try to self-enrich. In this case, again, it's by proxy and it's using the fist of government. So Barack Obama's best friend is a guy named Marty Nesbitt. A lot of people don't know about him. He's now the chairman of the Obama Foundation. Well, during the Obama administration, he sets up a private 
private equity firm called Vistria. And what Vistria is designed to do, according to its corporate filings, is to invest in, quote, highly regulated industries. Well, that's a great business model if your friend is the regulator-in-chief. And basically what they do is Barack Obama goes for political reasons after several industries. He goes after coal. He goes after the, uh, uh, you know, the for-profit uh, universities. He goes after payday lenders. And what essentially happens is this small network of, of financial backers of his around him, when he goes after these industries, the valuations of the stock prices drop from, say, $100 a share to $3 a share. Guess who scoops in and buys them on the cheap? That would be his friends. That would be people like George Soros. So it's, it's a classic example of smash and grab. And if you look at the coal industry, for example, you've got individuals like, uh, like Tom Steyer and... and, and this uh, is where George Soros... Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And they're able to buy these assets on the cheap because during the Obama administration, their valuations right. are so low. Stay right there. We're going to pick it up on Obama. I'm going to hold you for five more minutes, if you don't mind. Then we're going to get to the phones. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. Now, Peter Schweitzer, the book is out today. Secret Empire is how the American political class hides corporate uh, corruption and enriches family and friends, basically through proxy, which we've been talking about. We'll have more on how the Obama family has done it. Uh, this is Republican and Democrat. This is Biden, Obama, Kerry, uh, Mitch McConnell. And we'll talk about that and much more straight ahead. Amazon.com, Hannity.com if you want to get the book. 25 till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone number 800-941-SEAN. We're going to get to your calls coming up in just a minute. We, I wanted to hold over my friend Peter Schweitzer because we, we really just want to give you what is a fundamental outline but we don't we cannot do this justice in just a half hour or he's going to be on Hannity tonight. But just to lay out how bad the corruption is within your government. Now, this transcends political parties. It seems that the Democrats have been up to their eyeballs in these deals. Now, Peter's book is called Secret Empires, how the American political class hides corruption and riches, family and friends. And what we're beginning to see is a pattern. And that is you have Biden's family and you have, uh, let's see, John Kerry's family. And then you've got Mitch McConnell's family. And you were just describing Obama. Uh, why don't we get back into that and just explain they're doing it a little bit differently. So explain how the Obamas are now getting rich. Yeah. So smash and grab is basically how it works. So let's look at uh, a guy like Marty Nesbitt, who's his best friend. Uh, Barack Obama's administration goes after a for-profit university called the University of Phoenix. A lot of people have probably seen their ads on TV. Uh, They go after it and say that the Pentagon is going to suspend giving GI money to allow soldiers to go to the University of Phoenix. Stock price goes down from $100 a share down to three dollars a share. Marty Nesbitt, his best friend, steps in to say, I'll buy the company, buys the company. After he buys the company, what does the Pentagon do? It says, we're going to start allowing GI money to go back to the University of Phoenix. Unbelievable. And um, that's that's just one of multiple examples. How much money was that worth? Uh, it, it was a it was a hundreds of millions of dollars deal. Um, and it's just one. Uh, you've got George Soros doing coal, coal companies. Yeah, how did George Soros ever get it? Uh, Soros ever get in the coal industry? <laughs> that, that shocked me in the book. He, he got into it uh, by buying shares on the cheap because his friend Barack Obama was driving down coal prices. Same thing that Tom Steyer, you know, big environmentalist Tom Steyer yeah. made a lot of money in the coal industry. And one of the things he did was buy shares of the stock on the cheap in the early part of the Obama administration when the prices were being driven down. And it's a classic example of what we call smash and grab. And it's this sort of corrupting approach by proxy. Yeah. 
Now, I noticed on the cover of the book you have Obama, you have Kerry, you have Biden, you have McConnell, and you also have on the cover Jared Kushner. So I'm reading through the book and I'm thinking, oh, well, all these guys. And I get to the part about Jared, which is more in the back of the book. And I did not see anything that stood out to me on the level of of these other people. Am I, am no, I wrong in no, my reading no, of it? You, I mean, no, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, I don't think you saw anything wrong with his ethics. Yeah. I mean, what what, what we really say is this is kind of a warning. Uh, and we begin the chapter by talking about the Chinese government. Uh, is is very sort of uh, freaked out by uh, Donald Trump's policies towards China on trade, on the Ch- South China Sea. And we quote Chinese government officials in the Chinese media saying the way we are going to try to soften Donald Trump is we're going to try to go through the kids. And so it's a warning to say, look, this is the way China operates. They had success in the Obama administration. I would argue they've had success with Mitch McConnell. Don't take any of these deals. That's mm-hmm. that's the real concern, because this is the wave of the future, Sean. This this form of but corruption. They, everything they've done, though, is in their blind trust. Uh, you oh, Look, but you this is a temptation of everybody. Yes. You have even the attorney general, Jeff Sessions. He had to file a supplement to his ethics report. The former Commerce Secretary Penny Pritzker, I believe is the name, held stock in, in uh, Hyatt Hotels, right, worth yeah. millions. Yeah. Sean, we have a chapter on Penny Pritzker, who, yeah. like Donald Trump, is is a real estate mogul. Right. And read the chapter on Penny Pritzker and read the chapter on the Trumps, and you will be shocked because there was no media of the massive conflicts of interest. Penny Pritzker, as Commerce Secretary, was leasing uh, properties that she owned. The Commerce Department was leasing properties that she owned. She actually took the uh, lead property manager uh, of the uh, federal government and hired it to her firm while she was Commerce Secretary. Massive conflicts of interest never reported. Um, so the, the media coverage on this, I think, is completely out of balance. I think there needs to be good, tough reporting on everybody, but it's got to be balanced reporting, meaning you go after everybody. And that has just not been the case. So basically what you're saying is, OK, this happened with all these other politicians that have been there a long time. It almost sounds like you're trying to be a friend of Jared and say, look, you got yes. business interests. Be very careful. They're yes. they're targeting you. It's it's good for the it's good for the family. And yeah. even more importantly, it's good for the country. But don't you think that by having his picture on the cover, people are going to put them in the same category as those other people? No, I, th- I, I hope people will read the book. Uh, look, well, I, reading I, would be a nice thing. Yeah. There actually is context to everything. <laughs> when exactly. I looked at it, I'm like, oh, that's what I said. And yeah. I, it's, it's, but here's, here's the thing, Sean. If you're going to look at this kind of business model, we dissect everybody. And so we use the same methodologies on the Trump family that we used on the Biden family. Now, when you compare the Bidens to the Trumps, at this point, you're basically looking at a scale of massive corruption with the Bidens that I would argue is unprecedented. And in the case of uh, the Trump family, maybe you were looking at a speeding violation. Did this, do you think based on this, because it's going to take time, and I'm just basing it on your last book, Clinton Cash, it took a long time for Uranium One to sink in. Right. You know, And we found out recently, I, I remember I actually got my sources to tell me that the Attorney General Jeff Sessions did not recuse himself for all things related to Uranium One. About a month ago, there was another indictment in the Uranium One case while everybody was saying, yeah. no, that's debunked. It's not debunked. Right. And there's an ongoing investigation. And the FBI Bureau in Arkansas is looking into the Clinton Foundation even that's, as we speak. That's exactly right. And this yeah. is the common tactic, by the way. The that's all, when did you first write 
Clinton Cash. Yeah, Clinton Cash came out in 2015. Oh. I did your show in April of 2015. Wow. And that launched the FBI investigation that everything. continues on and everything. And and I think it's going to be I had to do a lot, of, a lot of reinforcement to get the story <laughs> out because, you know, this is a problem and people don't understand. Sometimes people say, well, Hannity, you repeat yourself. I'm like, you don't understand. If I say, oh, Obama doubled the national debt once right. and never right. say it again, right. it doesn't sink in. Right. But, uh, but if during an election year, if I say it every day and 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 right. million more in poverty, it begins to sink in. Right. And exactly. It, it, it's just it's just the nature of this busy world we live in. And and people are look, I don't assume that everybody's hanging on to every word I say every minute of every day. Well, but if you catch the show, you're going to eventually yeah. catch the big points. Well, and the other thing I would add, Sean, is that, you know, there are, I, I've been interviewed by a lot of people, a lot of talk show hosts, great talk show hosts. They basically read from clippings. You go out and do original research. You're not just reacting to well, what's in the listen, news. I, I only honestly, to be honest, <laughs> I, look at the book. Yeah. I, I mean, it's all. Notes. Yellow highlighted. Yeah. But here's my problem. There's so much. I'm, I can I'll, in the confines of time for this show right. right now. I can only give you a broad picture. That's why people right. need to buy the book. Number one, and read it for themselves and do a deep dive like like we're doing. But I will tell you every single person and topic over time. We will bring you in just to dissect one piece of information at a time because you're literally unloading right. about how how deep this corruption is right. and how much money these people are making and what a farce government is in so many different ways and how corrupt they are. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. The level of corruption that occurred in the Obama administration, which, you know, even I thought, OK, they, they have their issues, but there's not widespread financial corruption. Right. I think this book completely redefines that. And I think we have got to change some laws as it relates to disclosure of what politicians have to disclose. If their kids are doing big deals with foreign governments, they need to be disclosing that. So the American people and voters know that, you know, somebody's kid has got a big deal with China or has got a big deal with Russia or whoever. That needs to be disclosed. Really well said. All right. The book is called Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Riches, Family and Friends. This is so deep. The Bidens, the Kerrys, the McConnells, the Obamas, it's all there. And uh by the way, Peter will be joining us tonight on Hannity. You can get the book, bookstores all around the country as of today, Amazon.com, Hannity.com. Uh, I know this probably took you the full three years to investigate. Uh, you're doing terrific work, Thanks, and Sean. we really appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Great Peter Schweitzer. Here. Thanks, Sean. All right, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, let's say hi to Larry. He is in Houston, Texas. Larry, hi. How are you? You're on the Sean Hannity Show. Great. Thank you very much, sir. The reason why I'm calling today, Sean, I had an interesting, interesting question about the logo, the motto for FBI. Do you know what it stands for? Yeah, fidelity, bravery, integrity, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's exactly right. So how come Mr. McGabe, where's his integrity at? No one's checked him on that. Oh, no, no. He's checked. Trust me. Uh, look, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet storm this weekend or heard me talking to Sarah and uh, David Schoen earlier in the program today. But um, as David said, David's a great attorney, a really good attorney. And David is just out there saying any lawyer that lets him do this, it's, it's almost malpractice because he's I guarantee you in the course of this, he will incriminate himself. 
you know, I know he's going to easy interviews. I know they're going to feed him the questions. They'll probably make a deal. Okay, don't ask me about this. Don't ask me about that. Uh, They're going to eat up like manna from heaven all of his negative comments about Trump. But he's got a whole host of questions he's got to answer himself. And uh, it's only beginning for him, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. All right, my friend. God bless. And, and, you know, it is a good time to reinforce. I love the guys of the FBI. I'm not talking about the FBI negatively. Talking about McCabe, talking about Comey. We're talking about Strzok and Page. And we're talking about, you know, the attorney general at the time, Lynch meeting with Bill Clinton. We're talking about all of them, but we're not talking about rank and file FBI people. Uh, Donna is in Raleigh in North Carolina next on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Donna? Glad you called. Thank you, Sean, so much. And thank you to you and your team for all the hard work you do. It's so appreciated. And I wanted to, well, before I say what I wanted to say, uh, your uh, previous caller talked about your, or you were talking about your repetition. And your repetition during the election about those stats, that, that just the truth, I think, was instrumental in getting Trump elected. But um, the other thing is, regarding this Russia uh, investigation, uh, I don't know what makes me matter, just the waste of time and money or the ability for Russia to perpetuate the chaos in our political system in our country. It's just I mean, really sad. You know, it makes a case for a lot of things. I've never, ever, ever. I don't think America in principle should have term limits because I think the people need to be engaged enough that they would kick out corrupt politicians. But you know what? We end up reelecting 98 percent of these people every time and they become it it becomes institutionalized. So I'm a supporter of term limits. I I argue it's a bad idea whose time has come. I also want to take all money out of politics, all money. And if you really want to run for office, that doesn't mean, oh, my mother and my brother and my sister and my kids can go out, you know, fly with me to China and while I'm you know, negotiating something involving national security, they can be cutting side deals that's going to benefit the, the, the family to a tune of a billion dollars. And that's what's been happening. You know, public financing of campaigns. You know what? Give them all, you know, 50 million bucks. Good luck. And uh, that's it. That's all the money you can spend. No outside influence and nobody's beholden to anybody. And then also stringent ethics laws that say you want to run for office, you and your entire family cannot be involved in any foreign type of business arrangements ever. But, you know, um, it's, it's, it's disgusting. You wonder, how do these guys leave office? They're making 175, 85 grand a year, and they all end up rich. And they've got to pay for a home in the district, and they've got to pay for a home in Washington. Unless you're like Louis Gohmert and you sleep in your office every day. And that's what Louis does. He sleeps in his office on an air mattress. It's unbelievable. And it's re- and he's not getting rich being a congressman. I could tell you that because uh, I know for a fact, you know, but when the Bidens, oh, Joe Biden go on a trip to China, he goes easy on China and his son is securing, you know, $1.5 billion in a, in a business deal. Uh, that's troublesome. That's that's serious money. And at that level of money, you know, they're not doing it just because they like Joe Biden's son, who they probably never met before. I mean, that's a big problem. 
All right, want to remind you, we've got a lot of news we're breaking tonight. Uh, we will get to all things McCabe's firing, uh, Comey's sanctimony, all of the issues and why this is important, how this has nothing to do with Donald Trump, how the media has purposely distorted and lied to you. We're loaded up tonight. We have Devin Nunes. We have the great one, Mark Levin. We have Peter Schweitzer on his new book. Michelle Malkin tonight, Sarah Carter tonight, Greg Jarrett and Sebastian Gork. I don't even know how we're going to get it all in. But that's coming up. Set your DVR. Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. And a programming note reminder that uh, for the rest of the week, we're going to be investigating the key investigator. What do you know about Robert Mueller? Oh, he's such a good guy. He's beyond reproach, beyond reproach, beyond reproach. Well, really? After a deep dive, I don't really believe that's true. We're going to talk to people that know all week. Uh, that's coming up starting tomorrow here on this program. All right, that's it for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hannity, tonight at 9, we'll see you then. We'll see you back here tomorrow. As always, thanks for being with us. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.